0: to the project diy hunter podcast if you're thinking about hunting diy or if you've been hunting diy for a long time this podcast is for you we invite you to join us as we seek to gain knowledge to continue to be successful diy hunters thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast So what is up, everybody? Thank you for getting back in for another episode of Project DIY Hunter Podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking to Hickory Haven Fawn Rescue. She started this about two years ago, and she's passionate about getting these fawns and getting them back into the wild where they need to be. Um, so, Erica, how are you?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. Um, I guess we want to start out by asking some questions. I, I know um, this question probably gets asked a lot, but um, so I found a fawn. So what, what do I do now that I've found one?
1: So uh, what we say in South Carolina is that when you find a fawn, we want people to uh, immediately look up the South Carolina Deer Rehabbers Registry and contact someone on that list in your county. That way um, we can get it the care it needs immediately. Versus keeping it in your house for a long time or trying to feed it things. Um, We also recommend that people don't feed it anything, but just hurry up and get it the care it needs. If you do get in a situation where you cannot get it to a uh, approved DNR rehabber in a timely manner, the only thing we recommend is Pedialyte. You can give it Pedialyte to drink if it it will drink that. Um, And the reason behind that is fawn have very delicate digestive systems and we spend a lot of time trying to fix what people were trying to do out of kindness um, when we get the deer and we need to get it on uh, fawn milk replacer
0: right right so the deer is not always abandoned when you Mm -hmm. see the deer by itself um that's really just the the mom going and feeding and and they leave the fawn in what they think is a safe area um so the fawn may not always be abandoned right
1: right and So there's a couple things that we uh, recommend you look for. So curled ears on the tips of the ears is a big thing. A lot of people think that's the only thing you need to look at. Oh, it has curled ears. Let's rush it away from its mom. No. So that could just be how the deer is. We want there to be multiple reasons why you would uh, pick up this fawn from the wild. So is it laying on its side? Is it crying? Is it walking around? Um, uh, bleating and and, and looking for food? Is it coming up to you um, physically and like suckling on you? Um, Is it covered in flies? That's a big one. If there's flies on it, that means that the mother has not been around to to clean it up, to get those flies off, and that it's so tired that it can't get the flies off itself. So really, it's a combination of things that we look for, not just, oh, there's a fawn, its ears are curled, I'm going to take it.
0: Right. So now I've found the fawn and I think that, you know, that the mother has abandoned it. Do I bring the fawn to you or do I call you?
1: So it's best if you call because sometimes we'll come out and it's really still not abandoned. We'll, we'll check out the situation. And maybe the mother is just not a good mom and it's been gone too long. Um, The goal is definitely to reunite it with the doe if possible it is a myth that it cannot be reunited. The doe does not care if you picked it up.
0: Right. I also was listening to a podcast earlier. Um, it sounded like it was it was overseas somewhere, England maybe, and um, that, that's what they were saying that is, if you touch the deer, the mom will never come back around it anymore. Uh, yeah. What you're saying is that that's not true.
1: We've we've done it. We've picked them up. We've moved them around, and the doe comes back like nothing happened. So just. In our experience, it doesn't matter. I think with other species of animals, it might matter more. Uh, but no, we haven't seen that as an issue.
0: Right. So how, so once you get the fawn to um, the rehabilitation center, um, mm-hmm. w- w- what do you do then? I know you you feed it stuff or you feed it pediolite and try to get it back together. Yeah. But what do you do and how long does that normally take to get them back to the wild?
1: So a couple of things. Uh, one, it depends on the condition that we pick the fawn up. Um we do triage. So triage would be if it's been bit by a dog, which is very common, uh, picked up by any sort of animal, hit by a car, um, picked up, we've had them picked up by an owl before. So there's puncture wounds in general, anything that's abrasive, um, we do first aid basically. So we, we make sure that the fawn gets um, subcutaneous fluids, IV fluids. Uh, we make sure that it gets antibiotics if it needs it for open wounds. We treat maggots way more than we'd like. We clean that up, get those out of there. Um, And then we also give it special uh, veterinary drugs. So we give it steroids uh, for inflammation. There's there's a whole list of things that we do to triage that deer that may be on the verge of death. Um, If they come in healthy, you know, it's just a matter of getting a weight, uh, making sure that they're drinking milk replacer and, uh, you know, getting them, the, the vitamins that they need to be in captivity for a brief time.
0: So what age can they start living in the wild on their own?
1: Sure. So we like the spots to be to be off before we put them back in the wild. That's a good indicator. So spots come off about month four and five. So when they're five months old, they're pretty much ready to go back into the wild because the whole time we're rehabbing them, you know, we're not touching them. We're not playing with them. We're not, uh, we're not taming them down we want them to have that best chance of success and the longer they're in captivity the worse it can get so definitely i like to release mine at month uh when they're five or six months old uh, because it gives them a chance to just get out in the wild um and and start start being deer right
0: do you ever see them um become too used to being around humans to where you can't really release them back into the wild
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is a big problem in South Carolina, not just in rehab, but the public. So, if you handle a fawn too much while you're rehabbing, you you run the risk of it never being able to be in the wild. And when when that happens, uh, there's there's very few whitetail deer sanctuaries in South Carolina. You have to have permits. You have to have uh, special constructed fence. Um, it's very strict. So we have to sanctuary those deer and every single deer needs 900 square foot of space minimum. So that starts to add up quickly. um, When there's too many deer that have been tamed down based on either bad rehab or the public taming them down.
0: Right. So how many, how many do you see, I guess, in this Greenville um, area come in every every year is it it pretty consistent about the same number or is it fluctuate year by year
1: so that's been very interesting we a couple years ago we weren't seeing very many there'd be one or two a year like oh here's a pet deer um, that needs to be picked up or oh here's a piebald that actually you know made it to adulthood now we're seeing so many more because of social media people are posting their pet deer and other people are tagging us and it just, it just never stops. I think this year alone, I've been tagged in probably 15, uh, pet fawn posts. And as we head into fall, it's going to turn into being tagged in pet deer posts. So that I think last year, there was six or seven pet deer that were, uh, either turned over or confiscated. And that's, that's a lot when you don't have that kind of space in the sanctuaries. Right. And
0: I don't think a lot of people know that actually keeping a, a pet deer is actually illegal. Like you, you can't do that.
1: Exactly. It's, so it is a misdemeanor to keep a white-tailed deer in captivity in South Carolina without permit. And they don't just give permits out to anybody. So, um, and, and some people, this is a hot topic because people say, well, why can't I keep it? I have a farm. I have fence. Well, you've tamed it down, and now it becomes uh, a dangerous animal. It it could be potentially dangerous, uh, whether it's a doe or a buck. A buck could get aggressive during rut on people's kids. Um, they get aggressive on other animals. If there's a doe, it can still get aggressive bucks coming after it during rut, right. which then puts your whole family in that sort of risk mode where people, I mean, people are killed by whitetail occasionally. Yeah.
0: Before I hit the record button, we were talking about, um, experience that I had. Um, I got a a buddy that, that actually had a pet deer their family had a pet deer for a long time. And, um, the niece actually went down into, um, the fence, the high fence they had the deer in to clean out the hooves of this deer. And the deer did not like that um, cause she's mm-hmm. seen them do that to the horses. So she wanted to go down there and do it to the deer and the deer pawed her and, and pounced on her. And, um, luckily we were out there and I kind of looked yeah. through the fence and I'm like, man, what is that? What, what is happening? And ran down there, and you know, got between her and the deer, got her out of there. Um, but both of us come out with some, <laughs> some knots on our head and arm and shoulders. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's no joke.
1: So I, when I volunteer, uh, Magnolia Fawn Rescue, the main sanctuary in Upstate South Carolina, um, she has a permitted white-tailed deer in her sanctuary, and they range from genetic defects to pet deer. And the pet deer are the worst; they uh, will attack you while you're trying to feed them because they're they've been trained to do that. People have said, "Oh, you know, come get the food, come get the snacks." They will. Um, strike you with their hooves if they don't get what they want because they're basically big dogs at that point. Um, so we we have to restrict volunteers to um, not go in. People can't go in there unless they're experienced to feed the deer because they will strike you. Uh, most of them are super friendly, but there's a couple that you know they're not they're not the nicest because of how people have treated them. Right?
0: You know, they're still um, wild animals.
1: Yeah, and all of the deer are castrated. Uh, you cannot have deer reproducing in sanctuary,
0: but you don't. You don't castrate them before you let them go.
1: Um, no, so th- that's just for deer that we cannot release back right. into the wild. They get castrated. Right. Um, we we can't. If you castrate a deer, you really can't release it back to the wild.
0: Right. How long have you been doing this?
1: So I've been uh, rescuing fawn for two years, and I've been okay. volunteering for three years. So I'm really fairly new to this, but just jumped in feet first and I've uh, learned a lot. A lot of connections, uh, a lot of great people in this program.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's so many people just willing to, to help new people come in and, and do this. Yeah,
1: we're definitely a tight-knit group. Um, there's a class that's held every year at Magnolia Fawn Rescue for those who are interested in doing this. And that's really the key is uh, paying attention in class, uh, making sure that you're doing everything. Uh, to keep the animals safe and healthy and ready to be released into the wild, the goal is is never to make them pets if we can help it, uh, because we just simply don't have the room for it.
0: Yeah. So what's so what's some of your biggest challenges in fawn rehab? What do you have to do to to make your place perfect for the deer and get these permits and and where you're allowed to house these deer?
1: So. Deer are complicated and fragile and expensive. Those, those are the three things that I try to tell people when they're like, oh, I can do this. Uh, we, our fencing is uh, double lined with netting to make sure that predators can't get in, uh, make sure that dogs can't dig under it, stray dogs. Uh, so our fencing is very expensive and it was very time consuming to put up. Uh, the medications that are required for the deer are also very expensive, vet visits, are complicated and expensive as well. I mean, you've got a wild exotic animal, right? Trying to get trying to get it medical attention. Um, I would say the biggest challenge is that deer are always looking for ways to die. So no matter what you do, no matter how good you are, you're always going to have that one fawn that just fails to thrive and it's it's frustrating you're, you're you're like trying to figure it out you're getting on conference calls with the veterinarians you're calling everybody like it's just it's just not it's not thriving so we have to accept that we have to accept that sometimes there's a reason that the mother doe abandoned the deer and that sometimes they just cannot be rehabilitated
0: Wow. Yeah. So um, I see, I see these costs that you have They estimate each adult um, deer seized by DNR costs 10,000 to feed and, me- and medical bills in their lifetime. And that's just, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Deer eat more than goats, more than horses. Um, Magnolia Fawn Rescue, the one with the sanctuary, she goes through thousand pounds of feed a month, maybe wow. more. Um, trying to feed these deer and they eat a lot. (laughs) So.
0: So what kind of role and what kind of partnership do you have with DNR?
1: This program is DNR's program. Uh, The reason we're allowed to rehabilitate whitetail fawn is because DNR allows it. Uh, But I do believe we have a partnership with them, uh, especially this year. It's been fantastic. Uh, They've dispatched has supported us when we, Um, are getting pet deer reported they're sending officers out to check it out they're calling us in when it's necessary Uh, when we go on an adult deer call they're there to um, assess the situation and and keep us safe so I I truly appreciate our relationship with DNR and expect that it's only going to get better from here
0: yeah, that's awesome. You know, cause you, you know how, you know, hunters support DNR, um, mm-hmm. you know, by buying license and tags and, and different stuff. So, um, it's nice that our money is going to help and fund a program like this.
1: Yeah, definitely. A shout out to the Anderson Greenville, uh, Pickens County's officers. They've, they've been great.
0: So I've heard you reference these pie balls. Can you tell us more about, about what these are?
1: Sure. Um, So you wouldn't think there'd be so many piebalds in the wild, but a piebald is a deer that has a genetic defect that causes it to be partially white and brown, uh, completely white or mostly brown with splotches of white. Uh, They also are born, um, they may be beautiful, but they have a lot of problems. So a lot of times they're short bodied. Uh, Something is wrong with them internally. They can be born with quad hooves in the back. Um, They can be born with, stuff missing (laughs) they're they're troublesome so uh the department of natural resources does not want piebalds really in the population of deer because they're they're not healthy genetics even though they are rare looking so the piebalds definitely have a special place in our heart uh when we can manage to rehab them and sanctuary them um it is it is nice to do so but many many times they they do not live um we have seen an outstanding number of piebalds this year. I would say we're over 25 piebalds that I've seen recorded rescued this year and very few of them have lived. So that's how many people are either finding them or does are abandoning them because they know there's something wrong.
0: Yeah, Um, I have definitely seen a couple of them. I haven't seen many, um, but I've, I've seen some around this area here. But yeah, so something um, about
1: this area. This uh, we not not to point out to the hunters where the pie bulbs are, but <laughs> um, we think they're they're Abbeville County, Pickens County. Um, that's where we're seeing them. It, it is it is remarkable to me. It just seems like that's where all those calls are coming from. And Lyman Lyman has um, a couple calls as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I did want to address that too. You know, because I mean, this is a a fun rescue episode on a hunting podcast. Right, um, right. so, you know, us as hunters, you know, if, if we don't work to sustain the the deer population, um, then the sport that we love so much will no longer exist. Um, you know, we're not out there trying to make deers extinct. We're not out there mm-hmm. to shoot a lot of deers in, in one season. You know, we, we play by the rules and, you know, there's rules are there for a reason. Um, the DNR, you know, should know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. So, you know, whenever they, they put these limits on this kind of stuff, um, there's a reason for that. You know, um, it's, it's nice to, to, for, for people like you to go in and and rescue these small deer. Um, so they have, you know, that they can experience Mm -hmm. life in the wild, like, like a normal deer. Um, and then maybe, you know, one day they can grow up and get big and and then feed, you know, my family. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about my experience with releasing the fawns as adult whitetails. Um, So I released seven last year uh, uh, on my property outside of Belton, uh, all very wild, uh, thriving. And I release during hunting season because the deer I'm releasing are, I would hope not big enough for anybody to shoot. I want to get them out of captivity so they can start to thrive in the wild. Not everybody agrees with that. Uh, But just the other day I saw all seven that I released in the wild. They kind of sneak around my property a little bit. I'll catch them out of the corner of my eye. Um, they're coming up and eating the the corn feeders, just like a wild deer. So it is nice to see, uh, my methods working. And I will say these deer are just now one year old and they have got very nice racks on them already. They already have fork, their forkies already. Um, which surprised me. I was like, wow, here's this tiny malnourished deer that I took in and now it's the king of the forest. uh, That's going to bring great genetics.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one thing, you know, us hunters, we're not out there trying to shoot the young deer. We're out there looking Mm -hmm. for the older deer. We pride ourselves in shooting the big old buck, you know, that Mm -hmm. probably don't have much longer to live right. in the wild. Um, their teeth are wearing down, you know, they're, you know, their, their, their life expectancy, but what is a deer's life expectancy?
1: So I'm not entirely sure in the wild, I would say three to five years, but in captivity, they live a very long time. So they could yeah. live up to 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, not saying that that last bit of life for them would be great, but you know, they, they can live a long time, but in the wild, absolutely not. Um, I read the, 2020 deer report for uh south carolina and there's something like 19 deer per square mile in anderson county right now uh so populations are are up uh but that means you know more competition for food uh, more deer getting hit by cars so i think it's more important than ever to to keep keep those fawn healthy and and get them back into the population uh, so that the best genetics will you know win out
0: right so yeah so i think um we can go ahead and start wrapping it up. I really do appreciate you taking the time um, to get on this podcast and, and and talk about what is, you know, obviously very important to you um, and to us hunters too. I mean, you know, like I said, if, if it wasn't, you know, for people taking care of these animals um, then we wouldn't have nothing to go hunt with our, with our dad or um, Mm -hmm. with our brother, you know, or spend those, those awesome experiences together. Um, But yeah, so where can people find Hickory Haven Fawn Rescue and where can they donate to help, you know, the cause is so important to you?
1: Sure. So we are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. So all the donations are tax deductible. You can find us on our website at Hickory Haven Fawn uh, Instagram at Hickory Haven Fawn Rescue and Facebook at Hickory Haven Fawn Rescue. So it's basically all the same. Uh, we do have a TikTok, but it's not very popular. Um uh, so, any donation through Facebook, PayPal, Venmo, uh, you can find that information on our, our Facebook, Instagram, and website. Um, we certainly appreciate any and all donations. Every dollar goes directly to Fawn Care. Um, and helping us get through the season, paying for all those expensive little babies. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, so once again, thank you for your time. So thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Also, don't forget to go check out projectdiyhunter.com, our Facebook. Go like the page. We got Instagram, TikTok. Um, We have new YouTube videos out. Go subscribe, hit the bell, so you get notifications. Um, I really do appreciate it. So there's going to be a lot coming up. So, make sure you subscribe and so you can get these notifications and, and check it out. So, yeah, appreciate you listening. Check you next time and go, Tigers.